Good afternoon. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. And today on the program, I'm so happy to have Christian Campbell joining me here in the studio. Welcome, Christian. Thank you, T. Give thanks. <laughs> great to be here. Oh, well, it's great to see you in person. And you're here. <laughs> I should say we're taping this the 5th of January, 2012, first show of the year. So That's thanks right. for being thanks for being the first, Christian. Happy New Year to everyone. <laughs> yes. and, and if you're Ethiopian, it comes a little later. So. Yes, <laughs> yes. Or the Chinese New Year, That's right? right? That's still pending. That's right. I love that we have other calendars. Yes, so. and, and many celebrations That's ahead, right. right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, well, wonderful. Um, well, thanks for being here today. And, and you're in Ann Arbor. Um, you've been, uh, you're, you're going to do, you're, you're, you're having a reading. Yeah. You're, you're also meeting with students. That's right. Um, so it's been a busy time for you. It's a busy here. time, but a wonderful time. I, this is my, my first time in, in, in Ann Arbor, actually. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. Definitely. Um, and so I just came from a kind of lunch round table with, with um, a mixture of students and other people that, that, was, that was quite wonderful, a really rich dialogue about poetry and life. Ooh! Oh, yeah. wonderful! And yeah. were you? And th- so, and I'm. I know that you were probably at the center of that That's, that yeah. dialogue. Yeah, so. yeah. Lorna and I. So Lorna moderating. Lorna Goodison. Yes. Moderating the conversation. So. Yeah. Oh well, wonderful. That I wish I wasn't at work just before that because I would have been joined. I would have wanted to be in on that. <laughs> but anyway, now I'm I'm lucky to have you here now, Christian. And before we go any further, um, I'd also like to say thank you to Hannah Bannister at People Tree press um for sending me a copy of your book running the dusk um and and that was out in 2010 that's right and and since then it's it's won some some awards too yeah it's i you know i have to give thanks and it's really it's having it's had a wonderful life so even before it came out in book form in 2000 Five, I think it was a uh, uh, runner-up for the Kavi Kanem Prize here in the U.S. Oh, love it. Yes. And then in 2010, it um, was shortlisted for the Forward Prize for the Best First Collection in the U.K. Um, and then in 2010, it won the Aldborough First Collection Prize, which is the... Uh, um, the oldest prize in the UK for first book of poetry. Um, really a great, great honor, wonderful honor. So I won that in, in, in November 2010. So how it works is that when you win the Alderbrook Prize, um, you get money. Yes. That's <laughs> and good. you also get uh, a kind of mini residency on the Suffolk coast in the UK and a paid invitation to the Alderbrook Poetry Festival, which is um the most i would say the most important poetry festival in in the uk so it's not as big as dodge in in new jersey here in the us but it is you don't have to say it, it is <laughs> it's, wonderful yes. so i actually um even though i so even though i won the prize um a year ago i actually only recently in november 2011 just um had my residency at in the suffolk coast in a beautiful 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 house on the beach of all places in england you know yes. and, and then read in the Alber festival right so it, it must have been wonderful then to it, was, have that. it was amazing right did, did you were you able to when you were there in the cottage with the residency was did you find that it was a a, a good time for a fertile time for work were yeah you able it, to... it, it, i did get some writing done i got a lot of thinking done which is just as important you know that sort of just space to sort of map out 
new projects and map out projects that, that you're working on. So, and it really also, um, it was inspiring because it changed my relationship to the landscape of England, right? Because I lived there for two years. I was a graduate student at Oxford. At Oxford. Yeah. Yes, a, a Rhodes Scholar. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So between 2002 and 2004. And so I know, I know the stone and the gray of Oxford. I know... And uh, the rain. The rain. Of the city, yeah. <laughs> and the brown of London, right? And the smoke and the fog. And I know the beautiful rolling green of Yorkshire, but I do not know these sort of pebble beaches that this, I don't, I don't have, and especially as a Caribbean person, you know, I know um, that, that, that beach, that shore, that littoral landscape, the sea, that's so much a part of me, right? I grew up next to a and beach. And what feeds you. Right. But I don't know that in England. So it was a really, it was a, it was a weird and, and, and really inspiring experience. And the festival was just fantastic. So, Well, yeah. and, and so, and how so? Like, to tell us a little bit about that since we couldn't. We, we couldn't be there with you. Was it something where the meeting lots of people or were, oh, well, were yeah. you pre- presenting and, and reading? All, and all of the above. All yeah. of the above. I mean, I think in terms of programming, it was quite diverse. You know, that there were readings, there were panels, there were workshops, um, conversations. There was even a play by Andrew Motion, who's a former... Um, uh, the poet laureate, exactly, you, former yes. poet laureate, and then Robert Haas was there. Oh, and friend so of the show. There was a, and he's such a wonderful person. Um, and so his he spirit, did a just a, a lovely ex- person. Yes. I really, really enjoyed meeting him, and he no airs about him. So there was a, a, a great conversation between the two poet laureates from across the ocean, right? <laughs> uh, Motion and Haas, and then. Uh, he also read and he gave a tremendous lecture on Milos. Yes. Yeah, really wonderful. And, you know, he's a main translator. And he was also on a panel that I was on um, um, with the British New Zealander poet Fleur Adcock and Albanian poet Luluieta Leshenaku. Um, about, so it was the four of us talking about the 21st century poem. <laughs> so that sounds like tons, tons right. of fun and vibrant. Like it was, it was you... really, really vibrant, and the and the 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 landscape of of where the festival was really was great. I mean, and and so so I did quite a lot too. I did a workshop. I was on the panel, and I also did a reading. I mean, and it was packed. You know, like two hundred, two hundred and fifty people in the audience. And that is, that's like there's a different dynamic and energy for a poetry reading of that that capacity of people when uh, people's energies are there absolutely absolutely yeah it was a very special experience really special and was that coming then right um was it connected to the residency too so you had this chunk of time exactly so i was i was in um the house and then at the end of the week i sort of went a mile across to the town next door, <laughs> right. and and that's where the festival was. Yeah. Oh yeah. well, I can tell that it's it it is it was a time that that made 
made a difference in you. It just seems like it. Definitely. I will also put in a quick plug for Cornwall. I think you should go next there to 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 have the continue your relationship with the the sea of England. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You spent time there. I did. Yes, family from from there. Oh, from there. Okay, okay. I have to check it out then. (laughs) You'll love it. Okay. And I've not been to Suffolk, so I will also take. So we'll exchange. Yes, we will. I go to Cornwall. You go to Suffolk. And send post. Cards. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, thank how, you, T. No, well, thank you. It's it's so wonderful to feel that you've had this experience recently yeah. too, and that it's still well. And what did you? So, you know what I just realized? I'll read your short bio before we go <laughs> any further. Now we've sort of goodness. Okay. All right. Here we go. This is the short biography uh, bio in the back of Running the Dusk uh, with People Tree Press, 2010. Um, Christian Campbell is a Trini Bahamian writer. He studied at McAllister College in Minnesota, the University of Oxford, where he was a Rhodes Scholar, and Duke University, where he received a PhD. Um, let's see. His work has been translated into Spanish in the anthology and numerous placement of poems, of course. Um, he was a finalist for the Cave Canem Prize and has received grants and fellowships um, from Cave Canem, the Arvin Foundation, the Ford Foundation, the Fine Arts Work Center, and the University of Birmingham. He teaches at the University of Toronto. And before we go any further, mm-hmm. could you help me with my pronunciation? Because in my head, I think I've not really heard, am I pronouncing Cave Canem right? Cave Canem. Yeah. yeah, Latin for beware of the dog. Ah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Because I did see on the webs. Okay, so that's Latin for beware of the dog. Yeah. And how interesting because People Tree Press in some of the, the um, the materials about your book. What was the quote? Let me find it. There's um, a moment like this that dusk and this and your book is sort of inhabiting the, um, the the moment where. You've tried to help me out, and now I'm still <laughs> I'm still lost here. Um, well, it's the moment where it's becoming um, from dog to wolf, and there's oh, a French translation. Yes. Uh, yes. Is that actually? Yes. Why don't I just read it, right? So what? Yeah. Oh, yes. So T, what T, what you're talking about? <laughs> I was I was groping for, and Christian so kindly. <laughs> no, but I'm glad you did because I think. Um, <clears throat> These, you know, what you're talking about is an epigraph, and and there are two of them that um, it, that begin the book, and they really help to give a sense of what the universe of my book is is about. And with is that Janae, and that's, then also Neruda. That's that, right. Okay. That's right. You got it. You got it. So the first one is from um, Prison of Love by Jean Genet, and it reads. The hour when street lamps are lit in the city and which children try to drag out so that they can go on playing, though their eyes, suddenly active, are closing in spite of themselves. The hour in which, and it's a space rather than a time, every being becomes his own shadow and thus something other than himself. The hour of metamorphoses when people half hope, half fear that a dog will become a wolf. Um, so right, so it's it's that part is from um, what the French way of describing the dusk, which is lou entre chien et loup, right? The hour between dog and wolf, which I thought was amazing and fascinating, and yes. really you know just captured what 
um, I, I, I'm trying to do in this book. And, and you're framing it with this epi- epigraph. And That's you're... right. And so the second one that I'll, I'll just read quickly yes. is from Neruda from the poem Himno y Regreso. And it reads, En tu remota tierra caído esta luz difícil, which I translate as all this difficult light has fallen on your lonely land. <laughs> that will slay you, won't it? And the difficult light mm. and how this is a book like of you um, uh, with this, this texture of the light. That's right. Yes. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I suppose in particular, you know, experiencing dusk on, on, on a Caribbean beach, but I think experiencing dusk anywhere is well, it's changing. It's changing. That's, That's what changed. it's about, yeah. right? Exactly. <laughs> you, you, you have a tea, <laughs> right? So it's it's the change, right? The change in the light, um, and it's also um, about this moment that's neither day nor night. This liminal space, right? This in be- in between space in which other worlds are opened. Which, as a poet. That's something that draws you naturally. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And in your acknowledgments, you also say, I believe, like the final part of it, um, Christian was, oh, geez, now I have to, I'm flipping through. You can hear the paper. Um, Oh, thank you. And give thanks to all my ancestors, dusk people. Hmm. So. Well, um, I, I think... I come from a people that are often in liminal spaces, that are moving between times and between cultures and between landscapes, for one. Um, And then there's also, um, you know, my ancestors being mainly uh, African, Amerindian, and East Indian are dusky people, right? So that's also dusk and dusky. So, and we'll and let's talk more about this. We'll take a short break and then we'll be back. Okay, okay we'll be right back okay. um, to hear more. Christian Campbell is here today on Living Writers. His book, Running the Dusk. We'll be right back. <laughs> concept that we all should have I'm going to try to tell you at this time he ain't heavy he's my brother Lord help 
Living Writers, I'm T. Hetzel, and today on the program, I'm so pleased to have Christian Campbell here in the studio. Give thanks. And and also, um, thanks to Tex for engineering for us, and just finding finding that song by Donny Hathaway. Yeah, Tex, Tex is our selector. <laughs> <laughs> and he's... <laughs> our soul selector. Oh, yeah. wow, that's... <laughs> you have to... Yeah, that's, that's, some, that's something. That's like a... Um, We've got to write that down and remember that for time. <laughs> so, yes. So, and these songs are, are songs that Christian also was, uh, was like we're playing for a reason that you, you wanted to hear this one. Can you tell us a little bit about Donny Hathaway? What, sure. And the, and I mean, you know, Hathaway is one of the um, great, the great soul vocalists of our time, right? The late great Donny Hathaway. I don't know. I'm. I. I can't even remember how I became, um, how I entered the Hathaway universe. Like in when a way. you first heard him, or <laughs> right? First, uh, Not, or but even beyond when I first heard him. But when I began to listen to Hathaway obsessively and listen to everything I could find. Right. I mean, in fact, the album that that Tex played, the live album which I love is something I played over and over when I was writing these poems, right? And I have a poem that I'll read um, th- that's um, it's called Donny Hathaway. <clears throat> but I think I'm drawn to Hathaway um, perhaps in the way that I'm drawn to tragic genius. Um, I'm, I'm really interested in, in Hathaway aesthetically uh, particularly in terms of this thing of timing, right? That's this. I think soul singers teach us something really important about time and timing, right? You, if you listen to Aretha Franklin, that she's often working behind the beat somewhere, right? She's really, um, she's really masterful at that, and so is so is Donny. So Donny Hathaway slows everything down and there's something tonal i think that he also brings a certain a kind of blues that mm-hmm. he brings to a song so there's a song and i've played it for poetry students a number of times called superwoman by stevie wonder and so we listen to stevie's version and then donnie's version same song and they're totally different you know and when donnie sings it it is um, there's such a sadness there, right? And it's about pacing and it's about timing and about his phrasing that he um, slows it down. Um, you know, you think about when we just listen to him singing, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. We had to wait. Mm-hmm. It's like we had to wait for the next phrase and that does something f- for our emotional experience, that sense of, that that 
constant sense of anticipation. Because it's time and not time. It's, it's time, it's exactly. Like that, 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 what, how dusk yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, right? You, T, you're making the connection to me. <laughs> you, you just do it. That's wonderful. Thank you for saying that. So I'll just read, um, for everyone to hear the the note on on Hathaway um, on the poem and and so Donny Hathaway in 1979 the legendary soul singer allegedly committed suicide by jumping from the 15th floor of New York's Essex House Hotel so the other thing I have to say about um, Hathaway before I read is that I was born in 1979 and so that's Another, I think, reason that I was drawn to him, I, I, um, I, I began to think a lot about um, important figures and especially important artists that died in 79, right? So there's something, and I think everyone should do it. You should do it, T. Everyone who's listening should do it, is to think about um, the year you were born and to look up major artists and major figures who died that year and and to find them seek them out read or listen or find as much as you can about them because there's something worthwhile about thinking of what energy was leaving the world as your energy was entering it so you know the, you know hence my obsession with Hathaway my obsession with Elizabeth Bishop right who just had her um centenary last year you know um and so I'm going to move on to Charles Mingus and Minnie Ripperton as well, who also died in 79. Yes, because that is, there's something about the, the I, I, I knew you were thinking about the energy. Mm. And, and if you think about um, also, like we're made up of stars and mm. like that have long gone. Mm. Right? And, um, and so it makes sense that some of this energy is like a, a return and it's out there and it's, and I don't know, Hmm. maybe that exists where does it get filtered or how what do we claim on yeah so yes yeah and then i mean yeah his his death i still think about that and and so i'll read this and allegedly poem. too you and say. allegedly well that's what they say you know but he was um as they say he did struggle with with mental illness as well you know so there's a there's there's so much um to engage with in terms of both the brilliance and, and the spirit of this man who, who left us far too early. So this poem is called, um, it's called Donny Hathaway, 1945 to 1979. Listening to He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. Lingering at the edge of want, grasping how, clawing, gripping again, then leaping, spread-winged, shape of whale, taking yes to good night. Rivering, ghosting in a slow drag, churching gravity. Praise armed to hold bones, larynx of soldered gold, soldier for the blues coup, heaven flung for what's coursing out, past the plunge of need, of we when salt throat bears all to the blood of undone. Thank you, Christian. Give thanks. And so how how many of your poems are you also do you have in your body? 
that you can say without like because without re um that you've memorized why truthfully i don't know if i could memorize accurately any i i wonder <laughs> about that too no i didn't mean, sorry i didn't mean to put you on no no it's okay but i felt it's like okay. the way you were in the language too yeah. that the page wouldn't have to to be there so mm. that was so so i wasn't trying sorry i didn't mean to no, because <laughs> I, yeah, I'm, I'm the worst at memory. And it's so funny. I give my students recitations, so. <laughs> and I can't recite my own. But yeah, but but I think you're you're actually right to say that about being in the language, which is, um, which is beyond memorizing. It's about, and I talk to my students about this. Is about. Um, this thing of of incorporating language, right? And we think of corpus as the body, right? Taking language into the body. Um, and it's funny with when the reason, part of the reason that I always assign my contemporary poetry students recitations is because my paternal grandfather was a very very literary man. He died in two thousand two, and before he died, he had maybe two strokes and couldn't remember much, couldn't speak much, but he was reciting stanzas and stanzas of poetry. And so this, that he could say uh, without, yeah, that without hesitation. That remained. Without, that, that, that was the language that remained. Um, you know, and this would have been, you know, things that he would have learned and read, I don't know, 70, 60 years before that. You know, As a, I, young, a young man. That's right. Very, and, and he died at, at the age of 83. So and he's he's all over running the dust. That's isn't right. He? That's he's true. It's always surfing there is a, in it, a line or how you're carrying yourself. Or the, the, any, that's right. There yeah. there are a lot. The first part of the book in particular is there are a number of these elegies in that that for this grandfather figure. That's him and that allow me to sort of work through so many things. Right. You know this liminal space between. Um, life and death, you know, between cultures, and yeah, many, many things get worked out through through these elegies. Oh, I'm sorry for your loss. Oh, no, you know, we we give thanks, we give thanks. So, yeah, and and amazing that 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 how to know that those would be the pieces of language that he would. See say when he was 83 yeah like yeah. he probably if you he had been asked of that at the time when he had to memorize them i'm sure he wouldn't say yes i'm going to be saying these still when, when i'm 80 80 years old yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like why <laughs> but sometimes not because i think maybe even we look at language and and poems in particular yeah. in there with like a complicated relationship now in our time yeah. i think with poems and and how people use them for certain things like for joy or for grief but mm -hmm. but not for the everyday which may be way way back um or 70 years or so ago i mean not way back but yeah <laughs> yeah that it was more of a day-to-day -day and not just an education yeah you're right not just a and right you're right because i think you know that is you know this thing about about um recitation as a part of this pedagogical experience of literature is you know certainly very british colonial right oh. that that you know generation of in in the caribbean that you know you know my, i think you know my father um 
still remembers many of those poems from the royal reader himself, right? Uh, Lorna speaks of these uh, royal readers. Precisely, yes, precisely. Yeah. She know, you know, those, that, that formed those generations. Um, <clears throat> but beyond that, throughout the Caribbean, the, the Anglophone Caribbean I'm speaking mainly for, there was also um, something that Lorna calls in her poetry pleasant Sunday evenings or people would call to give a recitation that you would have in a community in, in the Caribbean and this would have been mainly sort of pre-independence um, and gather children and, and people and dress up and people give speeches and recite poems and that is what happens on you know on a Sunday in a sort of hall or auditorium or, or in a church pre-television that's right <laughs> when we that, used to gather that's right. and and to and it's and what could you bring to that that's right, right. you would have something to bring that's right and and this thing about poetry being fully a part of our lives and also about um all kinds of people working class people and who, who have such great value for language, language and for speech you know in the caribbean we, we would say who could talk good yes right i mean that and that continues to have serious value you know who could talk good who could master the tongue Mm. Well, let's come back. We're going to take a short break. Okay. And then we'll be right back to talk more with Christian Campbell today on Living Writers. You're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I'm T. Hetzel, and we'll be back. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, hooray. It's good to have you listening. You've got living writers on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. And today, Christian Campbell is here in the studio. And his book, Running the Dusk. I'm so, I think we should hear some more poems too, Christian. Your music is key for you. With um, your your last poem, you said you were listening to He Ain't Heavy. He's my brother, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, while you were writing and so is that something that you feel like is is that you know how people have like we have our practices or so and things that is that are you listening to music is it some because you also have poems that are um like uh hinging on jazz or like there's 
or it seems like you're using some movements of jazz in a poem mm. and well and certainly reggae as well but um yes yeah I, mean, I i didn't mean necessarily literally that i was listening to the song while i wrote it no it's okay but i i i almost mean um um you know, you could read it and listen to the song in conversation, but but you're what, close to it. Yeah, what yeah. I meant is that in in the process of making the poem, I was listening to it, right? So it's also because I think I tend to want to listen to silence as I write, right? In in terms of you know, in in thinking about poetry as as making my own music, right? But I was hearing the song yes. to drawing from it, talking to it as as I created that particular poem. Um, but yeah, I, I think in terms of I, I just was having this conversation as well. And in, in terms of my um, relationship to music as a poet, I think it's crucial. I think that um, People often talk about the importance of the acrostic. You know, acrostic poems are poems that describe visual art or respond to or comment on visual art. And sometimes people use it to talk about um, poems that describe any other kinds of art. Um, so maybe poems that describe or comment on, on music as well. But for me, um, it is my aesthetic project is beyond the acrostic. In other words, that my poetry is not about describing Sarah Vaughan's voice. My poetry wants Sarah Vaughan's mouth. And what I mean by that is that I, I cannot sing like Sarah Vaughan or like Dennis Brown, but I want to get at what's essential about their singing. That's what I mean by the poetry wants their mouths. Right? So the that's that's the how essence I, the essence yeah. of it. That's how I think about music and the way it works in in my work. And what is it when you're creating that is the sound that you're hearing that's yours? Hmm. Well, it's in it's it's in language, right? It's it's yeah. in about how I am forging, turning shaping language um it all it all the language and and the silences actually too so it's it's in it's in the making of my own lexicon right which the poetry is right my vocabulary my own language and that the music is made and like we were talking about in the the earlier break your your grandfather in the first half of the book in a way, he's becoming part of that music because when he surfaces in different poems um, within that section, or or like Dusk does, mm. even it's almost it's like a way of thinking about it is that it's like a note that's resurfacing. Like there's the I like part that. of you, like like Neruda's using like the wheat or golden wheat, or mm. where so he has that note that reappears. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you're, that, that's beautiful, right? As the, a kind of refrain, you know, throughout the book. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and it's, you know, and yeah, and you've written, you, and well, hmm. and you, this is, did you want to say something more, Christian? Well, what we're gonna say. Um, you know, I've, it's interesting. I mean, thinking about how both the musical and the visual drives the book 
as well. You know, so it, I, the the book is also really, really visual. I mean, in the sense that, as as you talked about earlier, how I'm always thinking about texture and how, in some ways, this book is 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 about um, really just trying to describe the texture of that light at dusk. You know, and so I mean that quite literally, literally in terms of some of the imagery of those earlier poems that are explicitly dusk poems, but also um, metaphorically or conceptually, right? Um, dusk as a metaphor for liminal space, right? Between the idea of being in between worlds. So, um, as a friend said about the book is that even when dusk isn't explicitly present in the poem you have to ask where is dusk in this piece mm. so because it is because it's part of this um what your concern at the moment what you're trying to get the essential part the essence yeah. that you're you're with uh, uh, inhabiting that's right the spirit of it yeah the spirit of it yeah. We, Why don't I read... Um, one of the earlier poems? Is that what you were thinking? Or which one were you thinking, Christian? Anyone. Um, let's see. Because I was thinking the Dusk poem, one of the f f first two or... I, oh, sure. I don't... Well, whatever you were thinking. Because um, I, I think it was the third poem where I said, oh, it, Dusk is named here. Yeah. Like the name surfaces. And right, right, right. Yeah. Um, Well, I could also read Mangroves, the oh, short lovely. poem. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, Talk about a, 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 a liminal being, the mangrove. Ah. Right? At really defining what is land and, and what is water. I love that. Yeah. You know, and the funny thing is I wasn't even necessarily th explicitly thinking of of that when I made the poem. But it's there, you know. Thank you for that. So this poem is called Mangroves. Dusk and the mangroves of clouds, which sit low into reverie, Chinese dragons mating or big woman riding chariot, clouds thicker than Whitman's beard. All angels have afros. Beneath them the hotels, giant casarinas in the half dark, sawed off and smoking. Now I must return from the mangroves with proud egrets who know so much more than me. We must go back now to the shore of this new night. Thanks, Christian. Thank you. Yeah, I, I have to say, I have this moment, I love when we have to return um, with the egrets. Hmm. Hmm. It and I it's funny because I just saw them. Um I um I flew here from Nassau. I I'm on teaching leave and will be there for, for a little while. But this book actually, I mean, among so many uh, so many things, the the idea of this book came out of an actual experience of, of running on a beach. Oh, to your girl girlfriend's house is it that that well, poem or that, well that's the, not even Dover, that poem Dover but okay. but, but sorry for no, 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 no but but uh, but that's sort of part of it, right? That's part of the whole landscape of the book, but this and idea of running on the beach at dusk yes. in the Caribbean, right? Um, and the specifically uh, beach in Nassau in the Bahamas called Goodman's Bay. Right. So all of those Goodman's Bay poems. Yes. Um, so this is so, you know, I 
This was the summer between leaving the U.S. and going to Oxford, going to England. And I was in Nassau for the summer. And it's also the summer that my paternal grandfather passed away. And I was um, working. And so I would, and I'm not a morning person. (laughs) So I would exercise after work. And by the time I would get to Goodman's Bay to go jogging, it would be dusk, right? And so I, for for other reasons too, you know, jogging in the sand is better for your joints, right? The sand is softer, but it's also more of a challenge, right? To run in the sand. Um, and I, be, you know, I went there for, for the exercise, for the physical experience, and eventually kept on going back for the spiritual and aesthetic experience of um, in some ways reconnecting with this landscape and just bearing witness to the sea and to the sky changing and the world around me changing and the sand and the sand in my shoe and the wind and and just that whole landscape and, and, and claiming that and needing to um, just sort of name that experience and, and name Dusk and say, there it is, right? And, where, and when were you, so what, when, would, when were you becoming aware of that, that it was almost becoming um, not just uh, to keep physically healthy, but a meditation and, and a way a meditation. Of... And you use the perfect word, right? Which also <laughs> has all these other meanings in Rastafarianism and, and then the poem, right? Um, I think maybe you know, by the end of that summer, because what happened is, is not only, um, you know, was I having this physical and then spiritual and, and aesthetic experience, but it became this important, in fact, I would say beyond important, crucial part of my creative process as a, as a writer. Um, you know, this thing of the moving body um, and, that time when I would get my best ideas and best images and best lines and, um, you know, this idea of um, this experience of, of, of running, you know, you're experiencing your own body changing and at work, you know, it's a very interior experience. But at, at the same time, you know, sort of you're, you're also this up, lyric observing self you know, watching the world as you move through it. Mm. Um, and so what would happen is after I would, I would go there and there'd still be light. And by the time I'd finish it, it would be no light. Yes. And, and I would need to name that. So I would keep a, a journal like this one here in, in my car. And I would, I mean, it, it became right something away, like the journals. Could... Absolutely. The journals of Goodman's Bay is what I called it. And so I would... Like you're saying, right away, you know, I'd run, walk back and sit in the car and write. And a number of these poems were born out of that kind of melange. Those moments. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That became that became my writing process, you know, running. Running was my writing, you know. So at that point, were you... That is wonderful. And that you actually, to have also the awareness of that that's 
being in that moment and knowing it. Yeah. And then, so is, well, I guess now I have like 20 questions, of course, after that or so more than that. But, um, is that something then that the way that you're working now as you're produ- like, as you're starting to create and produce new work, is it something where you're running no matter where you are? Mm. I mean, I know you won't have that beach. Yeah. You won't have, you know, John Goodman's Bay, but um, unless you're back home or there right. for a while, and but you're so many places. That's home true. Is, that we can talk about that. After yeah, the no, break, that's maybe. true. Yeah, being <laughs> being at home in all of these different places. You're right. Um, you know, I don't know. Right now, I think the process does change depending on on the landscape that I'm in. You know, you, I have to because of my. I think. Well, you know what? T movement is my process, you know, um, in airport, riding in airports, right. On trains, um, movement. Yeah. That, that's what my process is. I love that. We'll take a short break and we'll come, we'll come right back. Um, you're listening to living writers today. Christian Campbell is here running the desk. We'll be back. about the song christian <laughs> well you know first we have to, to acknowledge tax again. tax the, the, the champion selector right? soul selector and soul, champion that's selector. right that's right soul selector and champion selector champion sound no that that um was a, a dancehall track called very controversial actually called backshot by um well not very i mean it i suppose you know you think about dancehall um the, the the sort of boldness and the bold sexuality in it is is what it is and <laughs> and i suppose it's controversial with some people but that that song is called backshot by um lady saw and spraga bands um uh, and lady saw is a queen of the dance hall, the muma. I, I wish um, we have uh, Brian Tomsick does a, a dance hall uh reggae d- and show ah, okay and, right. and when Linton K. Johnson was here. Brian mm. had him on his his program to talk. Um, Very important poet. Enough respect oh for Linton Kwesi Johnson. Amazing poet. I was yeah. lucky enough to meet him. I wasn't doing this show when he 
came to town then, but um, I got to meet him and and even walking down the street with him, young young people would come up to him and and just even quietly. Um, the heart salute him. Yeah, yeah it was really right. yeah he is he's changed a lot of lives that's right that's so right hello, he, I Linton, mean, he, if you're out there listening yeah respect to, to linton no he's a he's a pioneer absolutely a pioneer oh and that, that and that when we were talking about how the tone of this last this last song actually we started lighten maybe we <laughs> maybe we'll be less serious as we <laughs> but we don't need to we can do anything we want christian this is your hour <laughs> <laughs> respect you thank you in fact what are you so you've got some some time off from teaching right now yeah to do my research <laughs> wonderful and is it the sydney Poitier book or what because i know you mentioned writing yeah. this book or is that well not now right no, okay. I, i've um well th thanks for mentioning that i mean it's a book that i i need to write but it's going to come um, after this book that I'm writing, um, it's called Sound System, Caribbean Poetry and Diaspora. So it is, it's a critical, um, book on, on Caribbean poetry, right? On this, um, most important tradition that, that of which I am a part. Is this then what, what you were working on at Duke as well or no? Or Re not the same, not the same, but it's related, right? Because I did actually write, um, my Duke. Um, PhD dissertation um, on many things, but I focus a lot on the work of Derek Walcott and of our very and own Lorna Goodison. That's yeah. right. So, yeah, I've been thinking about um, working on an article on 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 um, Lorna's poetry, and I've been thinking about it a lot, a lot. Yeah. And, and with this book, how did then this this idea? come to you with the the diaspora and the and are you are these then you said critical pieces so these are all essays that you've yeah yeah exactly it's a it is a critical um it, it's a critical project on caribbean poetry and it, it you know caribbean poetry is you know really one of the most exciting complicated terrifying richest most life-giving poetic traditions that we have right but it, it's not gotten the critical attention it deserves at all and why um, yeah why why is that well yeah. um i mean i think it it speaks to um larger issues around contemporary poetry broadly right not getting enough critical attention right you, you know so the, the the criticism stops at the modernist poets and i'm I'm not saying there's stuff out there but not enough right 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 um and i and i think we're all waiting till we're dead it, maybe that's what it is <laughs> lorna and i were laughing about you know so when i went to oxford um the writers that you could study <laughs> have to be dead <laughs> when i thought i i never thought about it but i think it's true yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah. this is changing changing the, it now <laughs> yeah no it's there's a lot of really exciting work um um coming out and out about um um you know for example uh, a uh, friend of mine, Evie Shockley, just put out uh, an important book of criticism on African-American poetry and thinking about um, innovation and um, the Black Arts Movement. Former colleague of mine um, also just put a book out in the last couple of years on 
Timothy Yu on Asian American poetry and on on the experimental. Um, so there's a lot of really for me inspiring and exciting work out there, and I f- I think f- this project. You know what? What's really important for me is to approach the, this critical project with the poet's authority, right? Mm. Um, that with uh, uh, right. The, the the kind of um, respect for the making of it, um, for texture, for formal issues, because I think when the work is written about that, that the political issues are really important, right? But and the cultural questions, and the Caribbean is such a, a, a very complicated, um, immense, um, it's a crossroads of culture. So there's so much to, to, to really bear witness to critically about culture and about politics. But I think a lot of times the, the aesthetic and formal questions Thank are you. yeah pushed to the side a bit. And for me, I mean, with this project is, is about um, showing the ways in which they're inextricable. Right. Mm. Um, I think Caribbean mm. poetry teaches us teaches us something important about this. It it teaches us something important about um, multiplicity. Right. The multiplicity of the human and of lived experience. Um, it teaches us um, something important about the complexity of time and place. Right. That's one of the things that really, in terms of diaspora. Um, you know, the, the, this. how do I think about the relationship between lyric time, the way time works in a lyric poem, and diasporic time, right? The way, you know, sort of um, diasporic time works in a Caribbean context, the sense of the specter of the, the past being fully present in the present, right? How do I make sense of that? And the Caribbean poem yes. does that work. You know, if you read Lorna's poetry, yes. you know, mm. you, you see it's yes. there, right? Yes. Being, what does it mean to inhabit all of these historical moments at once? Bob Marley teaches us that too. And and how and how do you then, as a, a poet and as, as part of this, as a maker, yeah. as well as someone who will, um, with a poet's authority, uh, critique or chronicle, and bear witness, but how will you inhabit the place when so often part of what your work is, what your, your present is, mm-hmm. is to be away. Mm-hmm. What do you mean away? Well, you're here or, or you're, yeah. or you were a couple of years in Oxford. Right. All and in Toronto. Or, and in... Yes. Well, you know, the or car- does that change it or does it, or is it something about how do you stay? Cause you are who you are, but how do you stay Connected, yeah. In in terms of the Caribbean, I guess, yeah. Um, well, that's a good question. I think you know. First, the first thing is that the Caribbean isn't the isn't only the Caribbean, right? So there's there is not the place. It's not the 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 islands, the water. It is is, right. It is, but there's also the Caribbean is also in Miami and in New York and in Toronto and in London and in Paris, you know, and in Amsterdam, and and so there's that diasporic question and and attending to the nuances around how these Caribbeans are being created in these other geopolitical spaces and the difference between, um, as Camo Brathwee calls it, the Caribbean Caribbean, right? (laughs) So I I think, 
I think that's an important, actually, ethical question you're raising. And I think for me, it's it's to be on the ground in the ways that I can. I mean, it's also being connected to my community as a as a as as something that I that's something that's vital, right? But but I think you know, technology helps. The internet helps for this conversation that um, goes beyond um, specific geographical boundaries and also when you think about what the caribbean is is this whole archipelago and includes you know belize and guyana that aren't islands and so on yes. so that i mean it it is a really complex kind of conversation and issue and i think the poetry um in terms of its ability to sort of transgress you know these kinds of spatial and temporal boundaries teaches us something about that yes and maybe you can get back every year to Goodman's Bay for running, though, at dusk. That's a must. That is a must. Yes. <laughs> um, is there, a Christian, a short, a, a, one of the shorter poems to take us out on? Um, yes. I, that okay. would be lovely. Um, I think we should end with Iguana. Okay. Now, so I'll just say that some of, the, some of the, the words that you may or may not recognize are, are um, Amerindian or Native American names, original names in the Caribbean. Oh, okay. Thank you. Iguana. My friend from Guyana was asked in Philadelphia if she was from Iguana. Iguana which crawls and then stills, which flicks its tongue at the sun. In history, we learned that Lucayans ate Iguana, that Caribs, my grandmother's people, eight Lucayans, the people of Guanahani. Guyana, the colonial way with an eye, southernmost of the Caribbean, is Iguana. Inagua, southernmost of the Bahamas, northernmost of the Caribbean, is Iguana. Inagua, crossroads with Haiti, Inagua of the salt and flamingos. The Spanish called it Ineagua. Water is to be found there. Water, water everywhere. Guyana, in the language of Arawak's Waiana, land of many waters, is iguana. Veins running through land, grooves between green scales. My grandmother from Maruga, southernmost in Trinidad, knew the names of things. She rubbed iguana with bird pepper. She cooked its sweet meat. The earth is on the back of an ageless iguana. We are all from the land of Iguana, Huanora, Carib name for St. Lucia. And all the Iguanas scurry away from me, and all the Iguanas are dying. Thank you, Christian. Give thanks. Uh, you've been listening to Living Writers. Uh, Christian Campbell on the program today, his book, Running the Dux Dusk. I'm T. Hetzel. Until next time.
Kuhn Radio to 88.3 at 7 p.m. every Monday evening for Yazoo City Calling, an hour-long show of blues roots music from the early half of the 20th century. Your rotating hosts include myself, Morgan Drake, and the show's creator, Jerry Mack. Come check it out. You're tuned to the Campus Broadcasting Network on 88.3 WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. This is Free Speech Radio News for Wednesday, January 11, 2012. In Los Angeles, I'm Dorian Marina. Coming up, the results from New Hampshire's primary yield few surprises, with Mitt Romney emerging in the top spot, but the race brings up questions over who is excluded. Activists and prisoners at Guantanamo mark 10 years of the prison with renewed calls for its closure. And Mexico's drug war has spurred a new kind of narco music. It offers a different and controversial perspective of the deadly conflict. Those stories and more, but first, this news. I'm Jess Burns with headlines for FSRN. The U.S. is once again using drone strikes in Pakistan after a nearly two-month hiatus. The strike happened yesterday in North Waziristan and killed four people. This is the first drone action since NATO mistakenly killed 24 Pakistani troops in late November. The Express Tribune reported earlier this week that U.S. and Pakistani officials were nearing a new agreement that would allow the drone strikes to resume. Pakistani officials reportedly pushed for fewer strikes in 2012. A proposed oil pipeline project on Canada's west coast is facing increasing opposition from indigenous communities. From Canada, FSRN's Aaron Lakoff reports. Community consultations on a proposed Enbridge oil pipeline, known as the Northern Gateway, have entered their second day in Kitimat, British Columbia. The Calgary-based oil giant wants to build a pipeline that would transport oil from Canada's controversial tar sands to ports along Canada's Pacific coast. From there, oil would be shipped to the U.S. and Asia. Hundreds of indigenous people packed the first day of consultations Tuesday. Some band councils have already signed agreements with Enbridge to allow the project, but in communities such as the Gitsan Nation of northern British Columbia, 